Just like with service, every Christian is called to teach, but not every Christian is a gifted teacher. I mean, he says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, teaching and admonishing one another. I really believe that every believer is to be a teacher in one sense. We're to be teaching. Uh, Hebrews 5, he says, you guys ought to be teachers by now, but I'm having to teach you. And he rebukes them for not growing and going on to maturity. So we all ought to be teaching, but there are those particularly gifted to teach, to take God's Word and open it up, to explain it, to unpack it, to apply it to life. God has so ordered things that His body, all of us, profit from Bible teaching. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part two of a message titled, Serving and Teaching. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. We live in a culture that says, retire and just serve yourself. Just enjoy yourself. Listen, it is a, it's a perversion of the gift of service to merely serve yourself. And I'm afraid that many gifted servants in the congregation, in the body of Christ use their knack for service for themselves or, more likely, for their own, their own family, and just serve their own family. Now, that's a beautiful thing in and of itself. But if you start to do that exclusively, it's a misuse of the gift. We're not to serve just ourselves, or just our kids or just our grandkids or just our parents or just our grandparents. We're to serve the whole family of God, the body of Christ. So serve one another to the building up of the whole body of Christ. And I was going to say, you older ones, uh, we live this culture that retires. You don't find that in the Scripture. And I'm all glad. I mean, if you've got enough where you can not have to go to work, I say, great. But don't not go to work. Keep working for what really your calling is. I was talking to a guy just this week, and he's told me this before. And I take him seriously because I see his heart. And he told me, Scott... When I, two more years, when I retire, I'm going to come to your office and say, what do you want? And I said, may your tribe increase, because I love to be served. No, (laughs) but I loved his heart. And he said it from the hospital bed, by the way. Uh, He's excited to serve the Lord. Don't just fritter time away or occupy yourself. I mean, there's a job to be done. Serve the Lord, the body of Christ needs you. And I'll tell you, there's a workforce in America because we have been blessed. We have so much abundance. We've got more free time than any culture in the world has ever had. And some of you who've retired from having the, the eight to five grind, you've got a lot of time on your hands. And maybe you found yourself looking for hobbies or, you know, and I'm all for hobbies. Don't misunderstand me. But you've just found yourself kind of filling your life up with things to fill yourself up. Look for ways to give out and serve. Service is a high calling, and uh, it's a gift for the whole body. Now notice, he says, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching. Again, just like with service, every Christian is called to teach, but not every Christian is a gifted teacher. I mean, he says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, teaching and admonishing one another. I really believe that every believer is to be a teacher in one sense. We're to be teaching. 
Uh, Hebrews 5, he says, you guys ought to be teachers by now, but I'm having to teach you. And he rebukes them for not growing and going on to maturity. So we all ought to be teaching, but there are those particularly gifted to teach, to take God's Word and open it up, to explain it, to unpack it, to apply it to life. And uh, he says, if teaching, in his teaching. God has so ordered things that his body, all of us, profit from Bible teaching. It's just the way he designed us as uh, his body. We need teachers. And God gifts certain ones to be teaching. Now, a teacher uh, will have a knack at taking God's word and unfolding it. The unfolding of thy words gives light. It brings understanding to the simple, the 119th Psalm says. And a a teacher will be able to take God's word and kind of unpack it. Instead of it being kind of a closed suitcase, you know, where you say there's a lot of good stuff in there, but the teacher can open it up and you start to see things. And you know what I mean. Uh, I remember what a change there was in my life when I started to sit under some real Bible teaching and start to see what the Bible said and just have it unpacked. And I marveled sometimes at the simplicity of it. When I sat under John Mitchell's teaching, for instance, he could just take, and, and there was no question but what there was a gift, and there was a gift that he'd honed for many, many years. He'd worked hard. But he could take that little King James Bible of his and just read it out loud, and I would see things I'd never seen. Now, there's a human explanation in the sense that he read it, he knew what it was saying, so the these and the thous and all the other things that the King James had that kind of kept me from understanding it, quite frankly. Uh, he could read right through that and put the right emphasis on it because he knew what the text said. But he knew what the text said for two reasons. One, he'd given himself to the text, and the other, he was gifted. And it was uh, life-changing for me to have the Word of God even read to me, let alone when he'd open it up and teach it, which, of course, he did regularly. Now, let me just give you a few thoughts, and they're really not in any particular order, but I think they're important to say. It, uh, it's interesting to me to look at the New Testament on this. A teacher will have a burden, a real teacher will have a burden to teach the whole counsel of God's Word. Uh, Paul, over in Acts 20, there were two things... When he was telling about his ministry, there were two things that he said I didn't shrink from. And I, I, I guess what I'm saying here is that, that there might be a temptation for a teacher to shrink from these things. But Paul said, I didn't, I didn't shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Teachers won't be content to merely teach the narrow gospel, you know, the simple gospel. Oh, they'll teach that, but they'll teach the whole counsel of God's word. Or they should, anyway. They shouldn't shrink from that. Paul didn't. I declared to you the whole counsel of God's Word. That's Acts 20, 27, when he was recounting his ministry with the Ephesians. And then in verse 20, he said, I didn't shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house. In other words, a teacher doesn't really need a pulpit or an office to exercise his gift. And you'll find Paul. He said, I taught you publicly, and I taught you from house to house. I taught any chance I got. And you know, when a guy has a gift of teaching, you'll see that there's that desire to teach. And it will supersede those who say, 
put me up in front of people. Give me a certain role so I can teach. No, uh, they don't wait for that. <laughs> they look at the opportunities all around. They'll teach individuals. They'll teach small groups. They'll teach large groups. If God gives them large groups, they don't shrink uh, from declaring anything that's profitable, and they don't need a position or a pulpit to do so. A teacher's life must be consistent with his teaching. Look over at 1 Thessalonians. Paul is a great example for us. Look at 1 Thessalonians 1. Verse 5. Our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power. And in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. He said, when I brought the gospel, the good news, and Paul will oftentimes use the gospel as a statement for the whole message, the whole counsel of God's word. It certainly includes the specific gospel. Uh, if you're here today and you want to know what the simple gospel is, Jesus Christ died for you, a sinner. And if you'll confess him, if you will come to him and forsake all trust in yourself, if you will submit to him, he came into the world to save sinners, and he'll save you. He rose again on your behalf, and you'll be born again into the body of Christ. That's the narrow gospel, you might say. But he says our gospel, he's talking about the whole message he brought, didn't come in word only. It wasn't just data. It came, notice verse 5, in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Oh, there's a need for that in Bible teaching. Power. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. Yes, He's gifted certain men. But if it's going to really get to our hearts, it's got to be the Holy Spirit who teaches. And there's got to be full conviction. And nothing will so short-circuit the gift of teaching than the rest of verse 5 not being in place. Just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. When the teacher doesn't live the truth, but just spouts it out, it has that clanging symbol ring to it, doesn't it? It just doesn't quite. And so teaching is not just data transfer. There must be a life that is consistent with what he's teaching. And the teacher will incur a stricter judgment. Remember James chapter 3 says, Let not many of you become teachers, knowing that as such we shall incur a stricter judgment. Don't be quick to set yourself up as a teacher. Uh, there's a stricter judgment for those who teach. And then, you know, let me say, stay here in Thessalonians if you are. Look at chapter 2, verse 13. A teacher teaches God's Word. It's humbling to think about it. A teacher teaches God's Word. Look at verse 13. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you receive from us the word of God's message, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. If you're going to teach, you be sure and teach God's word. Don't be teaching your word or man's words. 
And we live in a day where there's an epidemic of a perversion of the gift of teaching. I think God is still raising up teachers, but you can look so long on the landscape sometime to find them. Why is that? Because many of them have taken the gift and are using it just like you can misuse the gift of service and just serve yourself or your family or whatever. So you can misuse the gift of of teaching and not teach God's word, but teach your word. And you can be eloquent and you can be slick and you can be doing nothing but merely entertaining people and gathering crowds. And the Bible warns against it. No, teach God. He who speaks, remember what Peter says? I mean, Peter's statement, 1 uh, 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, is such a succinct, comprehensive statement of this. He says there's speaking gifts and there's serving gifts. Whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God. If you're going to teach, teach God's word. And you got to have conviction to do that because it won't always be that people want to hear God's Word. I don't know if they wanted to initially in Thessalonica or not, but Paul gave them God's Word and he says, I thank God that when you received it, you accepted it for what it was. Not the Word of man, but the Word of God, which will perform its work in you who believe. And you must be, if you're a teacher, you must be convinced that it is God's Word. All Scripture is God-breathed, it's inspired by God, and hence it's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, you name it, that the man of God might be adequate, equipped for every good work. I'm convinced that one reason teachers quit teaching the Word of God is that they're not really convinced of it. They say, oh, their doctrinal statement. You know, you go to uh, places, churches, uh, schools, Bible schools even, uh, where the doctrinal statement, we believe the Bible's the Word of God. But then the curriculum is based on everything but sometimes. Or maybe the curriculum says it's based on the Bible, but when it push comes to shove, the Bible's read and then it's kind of set aside and principles for life are articulated that might or might not relate to the Scripture. I'll be careful of that. And I think one of the reasons for that is that there's not that deep-seated conviction, this is God's Word. It does do its work. Look at verse 13. It will perform its work in you who believe. Whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. Every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him through taking refuge in His Word. The words of the Lord are pure words, like the 12th Psalm says, as silver refined in a furnace tried on the earth seven times. God did give us exactly what we need. And if we're convinced of that, we who have the opportunity to teach will teach God's Word. And God's people will be built up and equipped and made adequate. Now, it takes hard work. Uh... Paul, you know, in writing to young teachers, uh, listen to these words as he wrote to Timothy. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed upon you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them so that your progress may be evident to all. You will get better, by the way, and I think this is true in every gift. As you exercise your gift, you get better at it. I mean, we see that in life, don't we? Somebody's a gifted athlete. And if they just never use that physical gift, it'll still show. You can just see it. They're gifted. But if they refine it, and they must refine it because we've got so much competition in our athletically crazed world, you know, we we love it so much that we make sure we refine it and get the most out of our gift. And so you get to the high levels of competition today, and guys that are 
greatly gifted but kind of take it casual and don't really practice, they get knocked out of the way because there's enough people giving it everything they've got to refine their gift. And Paul says, take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them, Timothy, so that your progress may be evident to all. A man who's teaching as he works at it and labors at it, he'll get better at it. A man who's serving, a woman who's serving, same thing. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. Be diligent to present yourself an approved workman who does not need to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2, verse 15. I was just reading, by the way, 1 Timothy 4, verses uh, 14 through 16, if you're jotting those down or wondering where these exhortations are. No, he'll work hard. In fact, in this same book of 1 Timothy, he says, Let the elders who rule well be considered of worthy, worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. Kapiao, who work hard, who labor even to weariness in really opening up God's Word. Now, I believe that a man who teaches has to be convinced that it's God's Word, and then he gives it his best shot, and God will use it. But I'll tell you, it's worth it. When God's Word is opened up, God's people grow. I mean, I looked, I was sharing with one of the students uh, this weekend that my own Christian life kind of bounced along like this until I really got into God's Word. And I would say it was no coincidence that I really got into God's Word coincident with being exposed to one who would open it up for me. Bible teaching leads to hunger for the Bible. Seeing what God's Word has to say, instinctively God's children want more, and they get hungrier. And it's a tragedy. In fact, look over at the 119th Psalm for just a second. Turn back there because I quoted it, but I want you to see the verse right next door. Psalm 119, verse uh, 130. The unfolding of thy words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. That's the truth of it. When God's words are unfolded, God's children, those who are simple, that's all of us, rightly understood, who have no axe to grind, we just want to know what God wants. When His words are opened up, It brings light to our life. We understand what we should do. But so often, and I maybe am misusing the text here, but I saw verse 131 right next door, and I thought, isn't that the truth? Uh, I opened my mouth wide and panted. I longed for thy commandments. That's a hunger that God's people have for his word. That's just a natural instinct. The babe in Christ who's been born like a newborn babe longs for the pure milk of the word. And I believe everyone who's really born again longs for God's word. But what happens today so often, and here's where I perhaps might be misusing this, but I wanted us to see it anyway. I hear it often. You've experienced it. There are whole congregations longing, panting for God's word and hearing man's word, hearing the latest thoughts from the latest experts or footnoted to the latest or the most Ph.D. behind his name kind of guy instead of hearing God's Word. And conversely, by the way, there are young men 
who go out to teach God's Word and are gifted to teach God's Word, maybe not super gifted, but gifted and desirous of teaching God's Word, and they try to open God's Word up and God's sheep say, give us something more encouraging than that. We don't like that. I want to hear something nice and positive. You know, they're finding that church growth is more enhanced when people just hear nice things. And the whole church talks that way. And pretty soon the man's gift is stunted and stilted. And I'm not justifying him. He had to pursue through that. He had to know it's the Lord Christ whom he serves. There's coming a day, Timothy, when they won't listen to good doctrine. They'll want to have their ears tickled. They'll accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. We live in such a day. And if you're going to teach the Word of God, realize that it it won't always be widely and lovingly accepted. But just the same... I turn it around and I say we should encourage those who opens God's word, open God's Word. And if they don't do it with quite the gift we wish or the eloquence or whatever, encourage them anyway. Did they open the book? Did they read you a text? Praise God. I tell you, there are people who walk into a church and they'd long to hear the Bible read to them. <laughs> and they hear just about everything but that. They pant and hunger for God's Word and they're not getting it. It's a tragic situation. And I'll tell you one thing the church needs today are servants and teachers. Oh, we need those who will teach God's Word. There is a great need in the church today for Ezra-like men. You remember Ezra? A revival happened during Ezra's day because he was a man whom I read his life verse, chapter 7, verse 10. Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord. To practice it, his life was consistent with what he learned and to teach his statutes and ordinances. That's a great three-point outline for anyone called to teach. Study, practice, and then teach others. When you go to the Word of God, learn it. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who doesn't need to be ashamed. Handling accurately the word of truth. I'm afraid there are many who are going to be ashamed when they stand before God. They have the gift. They can say it eloquently, but they've frittered the gift away, just sharing thoughts and entertaining thoughts, perhaps. Now study the word of God. Be diligent. Then practice it like Ezra did. Let it change your life. And then teach it to others. Apply it to others' lives. Open up the Scripture for the whole body of Christ. Don't just use it for yourself. Again, it's a misuse of this gift to just learn things for your own well-being. No, it's for the well-being of the body of Christ. Oh, pray that God would raise up servants and teachers. They're both in short supply in the body of Christ at large today. Where you find healthy Christianity, you'll find many servants and many teachers. And we need both. Jesus said, look at the field that's white to harvest pray that the Lord had raise up workers. These sheep are like sheep without a shepherd. Pray. We need servants and we need teachers. You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Serving and Teaching, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. 
If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're excited to announce that Downtown Bible Class will have a new name beginning in April. The program will be called Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Same Christ-centered teaching, same music, same announcer, same times, and radio stations. Our new website will be abideintheword.net. Our listeners will have the same access to listen, download, or connect via podcast. Why not head over to the new site and check it out? There'll be access there to the entire archive of messages from Pastor Scott, easily searchable and accessible for your use. Again, that's abideintheword.net. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us in person for our Sunday worship services at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at the church located at the corner of Southwest Murray and Weir Road in Beaverton. You can go to our website at swbible.org for more details. We hope to see you there. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. I urge you to remember that God loved you enough to give His Son for you. That's not just a doctrine. It's a doctrine. And it's good to study that doctrine. But let it sink in. He gave Himself for you. I exhort you, live accordingly. That's just what Paul does in Ephesians. You know, he, he spends three chapters uh, giving truth, and then he starts the fourth chapter with this same term. I urge you, I entreat you to walk, to live your lifestyle accordingly. Christ is called the, our advocate. Remember over in 1 John? Interestingly enough, it's the noun form. The Holy Spirit is the helper, and Jesus Christ is our advocate with the Father. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, The Ministry of Encouragement. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.